This episode of the Sportsman's Nation is brought to you by Outdoor Edge and their complete lineup of replaceable blade knives, fixed blade knives, and game processing kits. Now, we've all been there before, trying to field dress your wild game with a dull knife. This is where Outdoor Edge really steps in. With the Razor Safe system, you can have a brand new razor sharp blade with just the push of a button. No more dull blades and no more problems processing your wild game. To check out all of the products from Outdoor Edge, visit OutdoorEdge.com. And at checkout, enter the discount code NATION30. That's N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off of your purchase. You're listening to the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you in partner with 2% for Conservation. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to fish and wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for conservation. 2% helps businesses and people pair with conservation causes to support things that fit what they care about. Whether you're into fishing, hunting, or just getting outdoors, 2% can help you not only start giving back to wildlife, but get certified for it. Getting 2% certified means you've made the same commitment as popular brands like Sitka, Stone Glacier, and Seek Outside in giving at least 1% of your time and dollars back to wildlife. But it's not just for outdoor companies. Breweries, contractors, coffee roasters, and even piano repair companies have earned 2% certification and stand out as leaders in their community for doing so. Businesses that are committed to conservation deserve your business when you shop. Learn more about 2% for conservation at fishandwildlife.org. That's fishandwildlife.org. Happy Thursday, everybody. <clears throat> I hope everyone is uh, having a great day and their week is is going well. Um, for those listening, we're uh, going forward, we're going to be dropping our episodes on Wednesday. Um, so just uh, a heads up, if you're used to our Thursday drops, uh, the episodes going forward, we're going to uh, push them up to Wednesday. So just a heads up there. Uh, but uh, welcome back to the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Uh, today on the podcast, I am joined by Brandon Romanski, and Brandon is the owner and founder of 2% Certified U Outdoors, and U Outdoors is, uh, is an online shop that carries uh, lots of different gear um, for uh, essentially the whitetail hunter. Um, <clears throat> Brandon and I, we really get to kind of talk about you know the the origin story that is U Outdoors, how uh, what started off in Wisconsin, uh, selling some blinds um, from the farm uh, that he worked at to uh you know really wanting um to to kind of go all in not wanting to continue with the farming uh that he had been doing and that he had grown up doing um so moved to iowa and really took on you outdoors full time and one of the coolest things that i really like about you know the different products and things that brandon is carrying is he carries them only if he feels like that particular product product is going to help you be successful in the outdoors. And really that is, that's where Brandon gets a lot of his joy and his love is seeing and helping other people be successful in their outdoor pursuits. Um, you know, from there, we also get to talk about, you know, obviously the conservation side of things, but we get to kind of take a dive into um, conservation from um, a bit more of a, a farming and agricultural side of things, which is something that uh, <clears throat> I haven't really had a chance to touch on. So to hear Brandon's thoughts um, on conservation, you know, not only from just, you know, a hunter and an angler, but uh, from a farmer as well was certainly interesting. Um, and it certainly is something that kind of that makes you think and, you know, just gives you a, a bit of a different perspective and a different view on things. So that was certainly an enjoyable part of the conversation. So episode 86, Brandon Ermanski. Uh, before that, I'm going to tell you about my friends over at Wild Rivers Coffee. And <clears throat> Wild Rivers Coffee, they are roasting in small batches so that they can ensure that their coffee arrives at its peak freshness. I can attest to this because I've ordered coffee from them before. They shot me an email the same day, said, hey, we're a few days out on getting some beans roasted. Are you okay with letting us, uh, you know, with, with that shipping in a few days from now? I said, 
absolutely that's that's perfect um you know it's that type of thing that like like they guarantee that their coffee is going to arrive at its peak freshness, which means it's going to taste the best. Uh, Wild Rivers Coffee is also a proud partner with 2% for Conservation, and they believe in preserving the wild places and wild things that bring all of us so much joy. That's why, with everything that they sell, a portion of the proceeds are being donated back to conservation organizations that are near and dear to them. So you're going to get organizations like Trout Unlimited, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Ducks Unlimited, and Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. So head over to wildriverscoffeeco.com, get your fresh roasted beans, a ton of sweet merchandise, uh, handmade mugs, ton of accessories for grinding your beans, doing your own pour over, all that good stuff. Um, And if you sign up and subscribe, um, you're going to save 10%. Or if you just want to order a mug... Or you just want to try a single bag of coffee or, or pick up a cool t-shirt or a hat, use the code, and this is all caps, fish underscore wildlife, and you're going to save 10% off your order as well. So again, head over to wildriverscoffeeco.com. All right. On the line with me today, I have the owner and founder of 2% Certified U Outdoors, Brandon Ermanski. Brandon, how are you today, man? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, a little chilly out today here in, in Iowa, but... Staying warm. Staying what? Warm. Uh, I mean, we're we're both in the Midwest here. You're uh, a little further west. I'm in Michigan here, but um, like you said, it's cold today. Like, what what kind of temperatures are you working with out there? Oh, it's got to be around zero. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, that's pretty. Cool. That's yeah. pretty chilly. I mean, we're for a high. <laughs> yeah, we're we're probably like mid-teens here. And, you know, the like, I don't mind the cold. I, you know, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest here. It, it doesn't bother me. But if I'm going to get these, you know, single digit and teens uh, weather, like, give me some snow, right? Like, I'm looking out my office window right now. And I mean, there's there's more grass than, you know, there's more grass showing than there is snow on the ground. It's like we're, you know, mid to late January in the Midwest where, you know, we should have a ton of snow. And I just, I don't have much. And the cold is just, I don't like cold without snow and something to, to do it. And it's not even like good snow, right? It's like frozen and piled up from where we got, you know, four or five inches last time it snowed. And it's just all frozen in one spot. And it's just, you can't do anything with this. Right, right. I think we've got probably, I don't know, about six inches on the ground here um, in Northeast Iowa. But um, I mean, I'm no... I'm no stranger to cold either. I, I live in Northeast Iowa now, but I grew up in Northern Wisconsin. So um, we definitely had it even colder and, and more snow. And, and uh, I get with you on that too. If there's cold and there's no snow, it just, uh, it, it, you know, it just kind of sucks to be honest. Yeah. Just, um, it, it, I don't know. Like, you know, growing up here in Michigan, I mean, I grew up, I live in, I live in Southeast Michigan now, but I grew up in like Northern lower Michigan and I can never remember, um, uh, you know, winters without, you know, hardly any snow. I mean, it, it's just, ugh, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> right, right. It's it, it's nice to a degree, but yeah, you like to feel a little bit, um, make it feel like winter, not just, uh, like not just, just cold. cold out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, hey, yeah. man, I, uh, I know we put this together on pretty short order, so uh, I appreciate you making some time. I know you probably got a lot going on there. Um, but uh, I'm really excited because obviously you outdoors, you guys offer uh, you know a lot of different products, and, and and I'll have you get into that here in a minute. But anytime I get a chance to to kind of talk gear with people, it always excites me. It's always uh, it's always fun. It's always interesting. So yeah, take me take me into you outdoors, man. Tell me about it. Yeah, so I guess it just um, you know it started uh, oh about four years ago now. I think 2018 is when I. I uh, decided to, to start in business and, um, at the time, um, while I was still living in Northern Wisconsin was, um, actually dairy farming. That's what I did my entire life and family farm up there. So, um, so I just started running out of my, our shop there on the farm and I started selling hunting blinds, stuff like that. And, um, just trying to think back, but I think I just did it cause I, I just, I've always loved hunting, right? I've always loved being outdoors and, and deer hunting in, in particular. So, um, picked up some blinds, started selling them, sold quite a few out of the shop, um, started going to some shows and just slowly started picking up other products. And then, um, 
you know, from that point started starting a, a website, started moving things online uh, versus in person. And, um, and then in 2020, um, basically January, 2020, about two years now, uh, we moved uh, myself and my wife and daughter at the time. Um, we got two kids now, but moved to Iowa and, um, left the farm. And, uh, the, the, it was, it was a tough decision because it was a family farm and all that stuff. And I love, love farming, being outdoors and, and, and what, you know, everything that, that entails too. But, uh, I just didn't have enough, very much time uh, to really hunt or fish. It, it was always, I was just so, I was just working all the time and, and, uh, yeah, just looking into it, you know, egg, agriculture, dairying, any kind of farming is, it, it's a tough deal, uh, to make money in. It's just a tough business to be in. And, uh, after evaluating it for years, I, I just said, you know what, I, I don't know if I'm going to take this over. I think I'm going to try something else. Um, and I think I'm going to go full time in my own business. Um, so you outdoors kind of went from a side side thing to, to full time in 2020 when I moved, moved to Iowa. Um, and the biggest thing, the biggest reason I moved to Iowa really was, was for deer hunting. Um, well, sure. Yeah. I was going to say, you, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you move, if you're, if you're, you know, Wisconsin's already, you know, has a, a very rich tradition, obviously in, in, um, the outdoors and, and whitetail hunting specifically. But yeah, if you, if you really want to dive into the deep end with, with whitetail hunting, I mean, I was the place to be right. It's, you know, a lot of people consider it the Mecca of, of whitetail hunting. Right. I, uh, frankly, I'd never been to Iowa before I moved here. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I just said, you know, everybody talked Iowa, Iowa, and you see all the pictures and uh, these big deer, and it's like, man, if I'm going to leave the farm and I got to do something different, right, I could stay in the area and and do the same thing, but it's like the deer hunting just wasn't, you know, good tradition and stuff, but the, the caliber of the deer just was nothing to knock your socks off. Um, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of hunters in Wisconsin, just, I mean, you know that in Michigan too, it's just... Uh, it's, it's hard to get real big deer um, all over. And there's certain pockets where you do, but uh, for the most part, it's just not, this wasn't in the area I was in. So, you know, I said, if I'm going to quit doing that, I'm going to, I'm going to put my focus more so on hunting, more so on fishing and the outdoors and doing those things that I couldn't do or didn't have the time to do um, when I was farming. I mean, yeah, I thought I thought everybody else like, man, if I was you, I'd move to Iowa because they always talk about deer hunting. But yet they're working their job, and I'm like, all right, if I'm leaving, I'm going. That's where I'm going. And um, sight unseen, moved down there. And um, actually, a, a funny, funny thing is, I I moved down to um, a town called Swisher, which is right between Cedar Rapids and Iowa City, and. Um, I actually listened to a few different podcasts, uh, but I think I'm wired to hunt. I think, you know, Dan Johnson, right? He did runs the whole. Well, yeah, uh, it's it's funny. Well, it, I hate to like cut you off there, but one, uh, the average conservationist podcast airs on Sportsman's Nation on Dan's network. But when you were talking about you know moving to Iowa, I was all I was going to interject and interject and say I wonder how many people have moved to Iowa because of Dan Johnson and, you know, just following along with, you know, nine figure chronicles and, you know, just the, I mean, Dan's just a, a wealth of knowledge when it comes to whitetail hunting. And obviously he, he busts his ass and, and he's, you know, he's been very successful, especially in recent years with putting some, some absolute bruisers, um, on the ground. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I had heard him talking like, oh, I kind of, <laughs> he brings a different, uh, style to like the podcast, right. When he was doing that with, with uh, Mark and Wired to Hunt, he's you know kind of a goofy guy, right? Um, but I didn't, you know, I didn't like, oh, it's cool. He lives in Iowa, and so when I moved to Iowa, I just kind of picked this place for for a different reason. I was going to do some some real estate stuff, so I thought, well, get closer to some some bigger cities. So that's why I moved there, that particular spot. But um, I mean, we weren't there a few months, and COVID hit, and everything was going nuts. So. I kind of said, no, I'm going to do you outdoors full time instead of trying to mess with, with this other type of business. Um, but, you know, funny enough, I was like, well, you know, Dan lives in Iowa. So I'm like, looked him up. And I remember if his, I don't remember where I found out where he lived. And I was like, 
uh, we live in the same town. <laughs> I literally <laughs> moved to the same town. Like I live a few miles from you. Um, just out of coincidence. So I thought that was kind of cool. And, um, but then, you know, uh, 2021, I moved up to Northeast Iowa here, just be a little closer to home and, and, um, still have the great deer hunting in, in the state and, um, all that stuff. But, you know, as far as the business, um, I mean, the, the it's changed over you know, the years from doing it on the side, just kind of making extra bucks and a few extra dollars and, um, while on the farm to full time and, and really got me thinking deeper about why I do it. And it, I guess the biggest thing was just, it, it, I want to help people, um, hunters and stuff. I want to help them be more successful, you know, whether that be, you know, through, obviously we sell gear, that's kind of the physical thing and, and, uh, you know, content and stuff, just helping, people be more successful in any way I can. Um, and, and everybody's got different goals too. So, you know, some guys are looking to shoot giant bucks every year, you know, record book deer. Other guys just want to go deer hunting, you know, just take their kids out and, and have fun right. and, and enjoy things. So everybody's got a different goal. And that's, and that's the big thing I've learned too with this business is unexpectedly, you know, I didn't really you know, you go in there and try to make money and you're in business, but I didn't really expect to meet, um, all the great people I've met, all the great, you know, just customers who've called me, asked questions, and pretty soon we get, you know, about cameras and, and different gear, and we get talking about hunting, and there are different different places around the country and uh, how they do it and, and what they're seeing. It just, it, it's really cool. It's been really rewarding for me uh, just to be able to, to talk to these people and, and really get to know them. I've got to know a lot of people uh, across the country, and it's it's just something I didn't expect starting the business. Um, there's a lot yeah. of great people that I met. Yeah, that uh, that personal connection uh, that I think separates you know small businesses from a lot of these like big box stores where you can buy um, some products too is you know you can call and, and actually talk with someone who you know is knowledgeable about the products that they're offering um, is likely um, a hunter or an angler. You know, there's some type of uh, of outdoor recreationist, so they're using these products. You know, they have firsthand experience, which you know, it, right, wrong, or indifferent. If you go to like a a Bass Pro or a Cabela's or something like that, I mean, yeah, you may certainly have people in departments that that really know the gear that that they're selling, but you also may just have you know an 18 year old kid who just needs a job, right? Because his parents made him get a job or something like that. That doesn't really give a rip about the products that they're selling, he can just say, oh yeah, they're over here. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have any, any information or any knowledge on the product. And what I found and, you know, being a consumer like everyone else is, you know, I'd much rather talk to someone, have them, you know, be able to answer my questions, you know, over the phone, um, and give me their experience with the product. Um, because I'm much more apt to, to make a, a buying decision when I, you know, I can talk to someone who has that firsthand experience, you know, what they liked, what they disliked, um, you know, maybe they point me into the direction of, you know, a different camera or a different blind or something like that because of, you know, they know exactly what it is that I'm looking for or, you know, kind of just my entire setup when it comes to hunting because, you know, this, you know, uh, a good, uh, you know, salesperson or sales rep is going to, you know, ask, you know, these questions, you know, how are you going to use it? You know, what type of setup do you have to to best be able to point you and make the the correct recommendation for you know what they think you're looking for? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. It was like the questions, right? You got to ask great questions and figure out what you know. What are you actually trying to accomplish? You know, what what's your style of hunting? What are you trying to do? Because you might not even be on the right product. Yeah, you know, you might have thought. You wrote read something, and you think, well, that sounds cool, and then you start getting digging into it, and you're like, no, that's not really what I want. You know, I, I want it to send me video uh, to my phone, and, and well, that one, that, this particular camera and system you're looking at doesn't do that. You know, if you would have bought it, you would have spent thousands of dollars, got home, and then you've been kind of upset because it doesn't do what you thought it should do, um, and, and fit your situation too. So. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and I, and I was you know, obviously I still consume things, right? I, I still go to the big box stores that 
or just other spots online too. If I can find it local, I'd, I'll buy it there, you know, from some, someone like myself, um, whether that be online or, or in person, but you know, I'm still consuming other products. And it was always frustrating for me before is you maybe do some research online, you know, before I would say before a lot of these Facebook groups and, and different things where you can do a lot of, you know, even YouTube videos before then, you kind of saw some things and did some research, but it wasn't maybe quite as in depth as you can get today. Right. Um, and then you go to the store and you say, well, I'm gonna go to the store instead of just buying it online, sight unseen, I'm gonna go there and, and look at a couple of them and, and ask some questions. And yeah, it was always frustrating to get there and, and you walk around the store for a while trying to find somebody to answer <laughs> your question. And then once you do find somebody, you ask them a question and uh, they, they like, don't really know they just pick up the box but reading you the specs it's like like yeah they know, give you kind of the really deer in the headlights like, look knew, yeah it's like i knew i was like man i knew more than this guy does it's like you know, so it was just frustrating right it wasn't you know like you said it could be an 18 year old kid it could be somebody that just you know started working last week so do you expect them to know and have used all the products no um and some people don't care so you get a lot of everything right um when you're around the big stores but it was just frustrating, like, came for clarity, and you realized you knew more than the guy, you know, the person that you asked questions from. So um, that's, that's just, yeah, the big thing we want to do in our business is help people pick the right stuff. Um, yeah. It fits with what, what they're trying to do. Because, like I said, it's just so different. People hunt differently. People live in different areas. Um, you know, you talk to a guy in Iowa, he might run strobe flash you know, white flash cameras and take pictures of 180 inch deer, 200 inch deer. They don't care. They don't avoid the camera or anything. I talked to another guy from Michigan and he's like anything but no glow and they're going to run, <laughs> run out of my woods. You know, it's going to blow them out the other side because the pressure is so much different. Um, and so they don't, they, you know, that, that buck could be a 120 inch deer, but he's not going to put up with it because there's so much different pressure. Yeah. Um, and so I, I've learned that too. It's like, man, talking to different people, like certain areas, certain deer, even down to individual deer, it, it, it's different. So it's just important to ask those questions when, when talking to people. And that's, that's kind of the, kind of what we try to do. Give, give people as much information as we can on, on all the products. And then if they have more questions, you know, reach out to us. We'd more than happy to help. And, uh, I get talking BSing about deer hunting. <laughs> yeah. So with products, what all um, are you guys offering there? Are you outdoors? Um, so a big part of our business is trail cams. That's kind of why, probably that's why I was mentioning it here quite a bit. Um, we sell a lot of Cuddy back stuff, uh, Cuddy Link in particular. It's kind of been a big, a big thing um, for the last since we started carrying it three years ago. Um, uh, we sell some pack cam reveals. So a lot of cell cams, cell cameras are just kind of taking over everything yeah. um, market-wise. I think there's still a place for regular trail cams. I I, I think, uh, you know, I hunt a lot of public land too, so I, I definitely use regular cameras yet. Um, you know, cell plant costs, they add up. So you, I think you mix and match, and you're going to be able to cover the ground you need to and, and get the intel you need to and, um, you know, remain within your budget. But... You know, we sell those things, cutting back, Tacticam stuff, um, Tacticam action cameras. Uh, we sell some food plot seed, um, mobile hunting gear. So we've got some tree saddles. Uh, we've got a um, mobile tree stand um, from a few different companies, climbing sticks. Um, I, I'm really into the mobile game myself. I know it's not for everybody. And, again, it kind of goes down to your style of hunting, um, your age, and what, what you're just what you're trying to do. Right. Um, but I do feel that's probably one of the biggest differences in my hunting has been being more mobile. Um, I don't even have really preset stands anymore. I just kind of hunt kind of instinctively, I'd say. Um, you just, you're just starting to read the land and, 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 uh, you just get a feel where, where those deer, you know, bedding, feeding, where you need to be based on the wind instead of going to where you have something placed. 
I think that makes a huge difference. Um, moving 20 feet, moving, you know, a few trees over can make, make the difference too. So oh, yeah. I think that's, it's just been huge. You go to the same area, but and you just change it a little bit um, rather than just grabbing the same, same stand you have. And, uh, you know, there too, you get done with work or something, right? You get a regular job and you, you get done, you got to run out to the woods quick after work and if you got preset stands that it 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 entices you to just go jump in that one right and rather than being in the spot you're in a spot yeah big difference and that that, yeah it makes a big difference i've done that myself when i was farming like run out after george jump in that stand that we have hung and i should have been over there you know and and i wanted to be but i didn't have anything set Um, yeah that was the frustration. I missed so many opportunities because of that. Um, yeah, I know it probably carries uh, camel too. So I'm a big, I'm a big ASAT guy. I really like the pattern. Um, I know a lot of companies, a lot of two percent uh, uh, conservation businesses that that used to use that pattern in the past too. So it's, um, I, I just love it. I know, you know, I. I just believe in it. So that's yeah. all I'll say about that. Is if, yeah, if it, hey, if it's, yeah, if it's worked for you, then yeah, there's there's no reason to uh, to change it up. So, how are right. you deciding so, which which products it is that that you want to carry? I mean, because you you know from um, you know like mobile hunting, um, you know from the tree stand side of things to um, you know some camo to uh, trail cameras. I mean, you kind of have everything you know, short of, you know, a firearm or a bow, uh, to really get, to get a person going into the outdoors. So how do you kind of decide, you know, what you're going to carry or, you know, what you're looking to possibly bring in, in the future as well? Uh, biggest thing is it makes a difference. Um, from typically from either my personal experience or, um, you just, uh, I don't want to say the concept, but like if we take trail cameras, for instance, um, we could take Cuddy Link, we could take, you know, Tac Cam, we could take any cellular camera. Um, it makes a huge impact because you're not going in there and, and having to check cards. Um, I think everybody wants to check cards. Like it's fun checking cha- trail cams. It really is. Um, it, it's, I used to trap too. So I used to trap and it was always fun anticipation of checking those traps every day every day after get up to school and i'd go out and check my traps that i got anything in them um and so trail cams are, are the same thing right the cam camera traps and but it's, it's very hard it's very hard for people and, it, and i've been in this boat to not go do that um maybe give it a few days but and it's just, it's just go see what happens and it it just it makes such a big negative impact on your hunting that it, it once you quit doing it you could quit running cameras but then you don't know what's going on but it will improve your hunting yeah I almost guarantee it um, in fact I did it one year I gave up I didn't put cameras out hunting it was great it was probably one of the best years of hunting I had in years in in that particular woods um, and so then when I you learn about something like link system, cutting link system, and then you got cell cams. Those things make a big impact. So it's really about impact. What can it do? And that's how it's going to, you know, allow me to, like, oh, if I, if I, if I recommend this to somebody, if I carry this in a shop, and they start using this over the way they were doing it, it's probably going to make a po- positive impact, which is should lead to more success. Um, and whatever that means to you, right, as far as um, success in your own, your yeah. own definition. But that's really what I look at. So, you know, like the camel stuff too, I just said I believed in it. You know, I almost gave up on camel too um, for a while because I just I wore the normal stuff, the, the mossy oak, the, the real tree, the, just the stuff you get, the normal patterns that were available on, in most stores. And, um, man, I was getting picked out, and I was just like in the market for new camel. I think, you know, you're growing up at that time. It's, you're growing out of clothes. So we got to buy some new clothes. Well, I wasn't too impressed with, with how everything else was working. Um, so I was just going to get some 
solid colors and call it call it a day. Like whatever doesn't doesn't make a difference. Um, started doing much research on it. Noticed that a lot of guys that were traditional archers um, were wearing this eighth hat stuff. I'm like, oh, it kind of looks weird. You know, it doesn't look like normal pretty pattern. You know, but man, these guys are. You know, if you're, you have to use a a long bow or a recurve, a lot of guys are even hunting off the ground and they're getting, you got to get close. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, man, if these guys are using it and they're swearing by it, yeah, I'll give it a shot before I throw in the towel. Um, so I picked up like a leafy suit that we, when we sell them, yeah, too, they're pretty popular, but they just go over your other clothes and I'm like, well, oh, try this. It's not going to cost me too much. We'll, we'll give it a shot. And I wore that for four, four years, I think, before I, started selling it and it was just for me it was night and day difference like i couldn't i, I mean i literally get away with murder <laughs> <laughs> um i i mean it, i think it's this combination so and then the same thing's kind of with mobile stuff it the, the impact when i think it can make an impact in people's hunting it, it really is kind of the 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 metric for for me wanting to sell it you know of course it's got to be something is profitable something i can get all that stuff from a business perspective, but I don't want to sell junk. You know, I don't want to sell a thing that just, just, uh, that's just another thing to sell. Yeah. Yeah. It's just another thing. It's like, I'm pretty, pretty straight shooter as far as like my, my, you know, even though I sell gear, maybe I shouldn't even say this, right. (laughs) But my gear (laughs) list gets shorter and shorter. The things I carry get short, they get smaller and smaller. I don't, take as much and i i've been having uh, i've been doing better you know, i've been having more success the, the more i've fine-tuned what i take out there and just get more of the things that are impactful for me so that's what i i try to um you know to get my customers to that's what i want to bring in the store um and the same goes with information too you know we don't really sell any info or products or anything yet but I mean, the internet's full of stuff. There's some great stuff, but there's also some not so great stuff. I feel um, that's misleading, and, and people get confused. Even though it might be popular, it just seems, you know, it's just from my own experience, it doesn't seem right. Um, so that's another area we, you know, just trying to get good good products out there and good information out there that people can take. That's solid, you know, nothing crazy pretty simple stuff but it's going to make a difference um you know for you when you're out in the woods yeah well that's one of the things i i liked about you know what you say how it what's one of the things i like that you said you know early on about you know what you really wanted to do with you outdoors was just to help people right and and you know help them become successful and you know that is different for every person like you said but I feel like taking that approach to your product line that you're offering, um, while it may not, you may not have this, you know, huge slew of, of different, you know, gadgets and gizmos that people take or people are, you know, convinced into buying that they need when they're when they're in a tree stand, and you know, talking from you know, speaking to customers from your own experience, this, you know, the the products that that we offer are things that can be game changers in the way that you hunt, regardless of the style. Um, you know, we have things that can help you, you know, uh, you know, kind of lessen your footprint in there, uh, help you be more efficient. Um, you know, just be, you know, quicker, you know, getting in and out. I mean, the list goes on and on. Right. So that's, uh, you know, having the customer in mind kind of first and foremost with, is this going to benefit them in some way, shape or form? Yes. Okay, great. Like that's the first, it sounds like like that's the first box that you check. Once you've established that, then it's obviously more of the behind the scenes stuff. Is it profitable? Uh, can I get it in the store and, you know, can I, I, I keep it on hand and, and things like that. But that's a great way oh, yeah. to, you know, to, to, I think really kind of run the businesses is having that customer front of mind and their best interest in mind when offering them, you know, various products. Right. I mean, yeah, absolutely. It, it, I bought a lot of stuff, you know, I bought a lot of, you know, 
I think everybody has, right? You get a pile of stuff that you bought that, you know, was, was advertised and all that stuff to work. And, and, and one thing, I guess it would, you know, I step on anyone's toes because everybody's got different experiences and different, right. different things. But, um, and, and if you believe it works, it's going to give you more confidence and confidence is a good thing too. So if you, if, if I, if I talk negatively about something you like, just, you know, if it, if it helps you, even from a mental standpoint, think that you're got, you got the upper hand by all means go and use it. Um, but like for our store, one thing you don't see in there is, is like scent control stuff. Um, I would make a lot more money selling you some sprays and stuff, but I would rather just show you how to play the wind because I, and, and enter your stand a little bit different. Think about how you're hunting a little bit differently and, you know, use some of the other stuff we have, the mobile stuff, just to, to get where you need to go and know that, and with the, using the wind the way it should be, it, where it needs to be, I should say, understanding how a deer would use that wind, it's going to make you more successful than, than spraying some stuff on there and, you know, a bunch of other stuff to, to try to eliminate your scent or suppress it. Um, so I have a tough time selling stuff like that just personally, um, even though I surely can make more money doing it. Yeah. So, so do you have a storefront there in Iowa? I don't. Um, currently, it's it's just online, and that's kind of a transition I made to um, from when I started to it was you know when I started with blinds and stuff. Those are big products, and it's in person. It's that's what that's what it was. It wasn't really online at all. Um, but when I shifted to Iowa, I had to uh, drop the blinds. I decided I'm like we're going to go online. We're going to have things that are shippable, so that you know we can reach people across the country um, versus just in our own own little backyard here. Right. Um, so that's kind of the, the the direction we we went with that um, for those reasons. Yeah, and I mean a storefront. I mean I think you know I, there's certainly something to say about you know brick and mortar locations because like we talked about in the beginning, right? Like having that actual personal interaction, being able to see things, put your hands on products, touch them, feel them, all that good stuff, all the things that kind of give you the warm and fuzzies right before you make a purchase on something. Um, but yeah, it's tough, right? I mean, less, well, especially, you know, over the last two years, if if we've learned anything, it's that, you know, <laughs> having a, a small business can be extremely difficult um, especially when you can't get customers in your store. But the uh, the online route, yeah, is certainly, um, it allows you to uh, be a bit more flexible in what you can offer um, and, you know, what you decide to carry. Uh, you don't necessarily have a showroom to fill with things. You know, you probably have a spare bedroom or a garage or a basement <laughs> filled with, um, with products, but that's much easier to manage and the overhead is certainly much lower than uh than a rentable building right yeah and i mean someday maybe like to have something like that of course um it'd be nice and that's that's the plan but uh yeah i mean i, I chose a great great time to get started <laughs> full time and all this <laughs> stuff you know right right 2020 and two months in we get covid and it's like well it's been a been a <laughs> crazy two years yeah. Um, just trying to get product and uh, just what can you do and not do. So it did help me. I'm, I'm th- thankful I did not have a storefront <laughs> at that time. Yeah. Um, cause that would have just been a killer. And, uh, you got to feel for those, those small businesses that, that especially ones that rely purely on that. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like small times where I'm at in Northeast Iowa, it's like, man, they got to be, you just, it, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. So, um, so when you're bringing new stuff in, I mean, how long will you, I guess, use a product before you kind of, you know, make your own recommendation or you kind of come to the conclusion that, yeah, this is something that I think could, could really help, um, you know, customers of mine that could really be beneficial. I mean, is that like, you know, you'll, you'll try something new, you use it for a year, you know, uh, have a, a ton of notes, ton of 
you know, good experiences or, or lessons learned from or anything like that. And then you say, okay, this is something I, I would like to try to sell as well. Or is it, you know, a longer process than that? Um, we try to make it a shorter process if we can. Uh, the biggest thing is, you know, concept, right? <clears throat> so, uh, if we just looked at like cutting, for instance, concept of connecting these cameras in a network and having everything sent to one central unit or one central cell unit, having it sent to your phone. So something like that, you look at it like, oh man, you know, when I was approached with something like that, I thought, man, if that works like it says it does, that'd be awesome. You know, it's like, that would change the game for me. Um, yeah. Cause at that time I almost quit running trail cameras. So like a check without going in there, that would allow me to put cameras out again. Cause I'd like to do that. Um, so then concept is great. Let's buy some and typically I'll buy them. You know, I'll, I'll buy them retail. Let's go buy it and test it. Put together. Does this thing work? Does it work like it says it does? And I'll put them out. Now like cameras, I'll put out in the, in the woods, you know, for, for a few months and start getting some pictures. How is everything working? Is there problems? Do I have to, you know, does it work as advertised? Put it that way. Yeah. Um, longevity on any product is hard um, because, you know, testing that, right? You'd love to sit there and test it for a year, two years, three years, five years, um, but you just don't have that much time. Right. You know, companies change products. They change designs almost yearly. You know, companies will change designs on things. And so it's hard to get a real, you know, good, good look at that, unfortunately, um, in terms of, you know, especially things like electronics, they change so fast. Yeah, a year later, but, it's outdated. Yeah. You, you you bought a camera, and then you're like, man, three, four, five years later, you're like, that was my best camera ever. I want to buy another one. I mean, they've been replaced and obsolete for three years already. Yeah. So that's the kind of the downside. I wish they kind of would stick with the same design for a while. And everybody wants innovation, but it's nice when you get a good one to keep it. Um, but, uh, so yeah, I like to try it out for, for a while. Yeah, it could be a few months, could be a year. Um, I typically like, I mean, I want to beat it up a bit. So take it out there and just run it through the paces like I would in the woods. Um, before I, before I bring it out there and, um, that's basically it. I mean, that's, yeah, if the concept does what it says, you know, does what it says it's going to do, is that going to make a difference first? Answer is yes. Then we check in the pricing. If it if it makes some sense, like okay, yeah, we we could sell this and 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 make a little money on it. Let's bring it in and see if it's if it's worth, you know, doing. It's not just uh, like you said, not just junk that uh, people are going to call back and not be happy with. Yeah. So. No, that's uh. That's certainly, yeah, It's uh, it's got to be a bit of a slippery slope or uh, a real kind of fine line to walk on in terms of, you know, what's too long, what's not long enough, when do you feel confident, you know, giving it, you know, kind of your stamp of approval that, yeah, this is, this does what it says it does. Because, you know, even though like with a, with a Cuddy Link or system or, or something like that, like while it's not your um, particular, uh, you know, item, I guess, if someone bought it from you, they're going to expect that, you know, the, you know, honoring the warranty or, or helping getting it fixed. And a lot of times people are just going to go right to the source where they bought it instead of maybe necessarily the manufacturer. Right. And that's something, <clears throat> that's something we pride we ourselves in. Um, we know the product. So you got a problem and we'll speak to Cuddy Link because we've been dealing that so much and it is, it's a more involved system than some other, some other things. Um, you know, guys all the time shoot me a message, email, call, whatever. They got this error code comes up. I, I know most of the error codes off the top of my head. So it's like, I tell them do this, do this, do this. Done. Like it's fixed. Um, versus having to call a company. And it doesn't matter what company you, you call. We all know everybody's customer service could be better. Right. Yeah. This is, you're going to have to go through, they're dealing with, you know, company sold, I don't know how many, you know, hundreds of thousands of units. And so they get a lot more calls or millions of units. Um, they're getting a huge influx of calls and, you know, the, the people answering the phones aren't necessarily users. 
Um, they have a sheet, you know, that they try to work through and help troubleshoot things, but they aren't necessarily users of the product. Um, so they give you kind of the general recommendations and, and things like that, but they can't really, you might not be able to figure it out maybe as quickly or, or as clearly um, as someone like, you know, us who, who use the product and have set, you know, thousands of the things up. Yeah. Um, personally, so. So in your experience, you know, through, you know, working with all of these, um, you know, different, you know, using all these different products that you're selling, you know, likely developing relationships with a lot of these manufacturers, just if you're, you know, selling their products, have you ever considered trying to come up with something of your own, whether it's a trail camera, it's a, you know, some type of, uh, some piece of gear for, you know, mobile hunting setup, uh, or anything like that. Have you, you know, kind of crossed that bridge yet and started to, you know, do some napkin sketches or, or brainstorm some ideas, or is that something that you're, you don't even want to deal with? Oh man, I've got a million ideas. <laughs> <laughs> My problem uh, is not that I don't have a lack of ideas. I mean, for everything, um, we're talking gear and business and marketing and all these things. I've got a million ideas. Uh, the issue is having and being able to execute all the ideas. And right. unfortunately, I got to say no to, I, I need to learn to say no to more things even than I have. Um, because it's like, oh, I just, it would, I mean, I want to do everything <laughs> the, way, <laughs> the way I am. Um, but yeah, we, I, I am testing out a few cameras right now um that we would have branded for our, our own brand on them um they're they're regular cameras they're not cellular um i, I didn't really want to get into the whole cellular thing that's a little over my head i'll yeah. let everybody else do that for now <laughs> you know if, if we bring out a camera and it works great and everybody loves it and wants cellular then we can we can dig into that more um but that camera granted it performs so that's another thing. I've been testing that one for a couple months now. I've got a couple cameras up um, on my grandparents' place in, in northern Wisconsin. It's cold. Um, he's got deer on the property. It's, it's a good opportunity. Just, we're trying to see how many pictures we get out of a set of, you know, railback batteries. You know, cheap batteries. Like, what are we going to get for battery life? What are we going to get for pic- what's the picture quality look like? Is this right. thing, you know, if I get up there and they're not working, well, I'm not going to go bring it in you know it's just not i'm not going to sell that stuff so um but we're looking at like a lower lower priced mid-priced camera something you can throw on public land something you can scatter in between your your cell cameras um to cover more ground so we are looking at that there's a few different adapters mounts and stuff for cameras that i've um that i have ideas for i have sketches for i have talked to some um local shops um about having them made uh, just something that's been on the back burner a little bit lately but uh yeah i got a million ideas that I, <laughs> I wish i could manufacture everything um <laughs> but I, I just like i want to so badly but i uh i gotta like hold myself back like man that's a whole nother ball of wax you gotta get into and oh yeah uh, i don't know <laughs> yeah so <clears throat> I want to to pivot a little bit here and and get into the the conservation side of things. So when was it I guess that you first learned about 2% for conservation? Um I think it was through Dan. And I don't remember if it was through his podcast or you know I don't know if he was mentioned at any time when he was in Wired to Hunt or if that was when he started and nine fingers, but um, pretty sure it was through him. I mean, he's mentioned this stuff. I'm like, well, what is this? Because I, I have always been interested in conservation. Um, I grew up hunting, right? I, I grew up fishing and trapping. I, I love being outdoors. I was farming. You know, all those things could, you know, obviously as a hunter, you benefit from the conservation and stuff, but, and a fisherman and stuff like that, but as a I always thought we could do more as farmers too. Um, and it was something I looked into a lot before I decided that, you know, just, it was an uphill battle and I just, 
rather than fight that, I'm going to go hunting and, and, and try my hunting business instead of the farming. But there's just a lot of things we could do for, for water quality, soil um, health, and the farming thing I think we could do a lot better job with. Um, it is a tough deal to get through, though, um, just because, you know, obviously from a farming background, there's not a lot of money in it. Right. And to how, how do you convince how – how do you make it worthwhile for – farmers to leave you know brushy french rows in um rather than taking them out and gaining an extra 20 rows of corn you know uh that produce 200 bushel corn instead of you know the those those rows being either not planted or being shaded out um how do you get them to leave valuable farmland in in you know just different strips of grass and whatnot to, to hold all kinds of wildlife it's a hard deal because you know, if farmers made a lot of money, I think it'd be easy. Um, they'd be like, yeah, why not? But when it's tight and, and land prices are high, it's hard. So it's, I don't know where I'm going with that. I guess this is, I've always been interested in conservation just from a farming perspective. And then, of course, from hunting, you know, habitat and stuff. Um, I'm driving around looking at one woods, you know, I'm like, man, they should log that out. You know, it'd be better, better habitat for more animals. Um, um they should i like that they probably planted a bunch of trees and brush and they got grass in their stand it's like man that's some great habitat man i'd like that and uh and so i just through the business uh, i've always wanted to give back that's part of the business too is like i want to do something more than just make money right i want to i want to give it back i want to do something impactful um that does make a difference and so once i learned about it i'm like i'll check it out um look like a good group of businesses you know the the the, the mission look great i'm like yeah let's, let's do it you know let's, let's let's sign up let's let's get certified and let's uh start giving back yeah no that's um <clears throat> that that's interesting because i've not talked with anyone that has kind of they've talked about it seems like everyone kind of talks about conservation from the the hunting and angling side of things right because I mean, that's that, that's what, you know, a vast, vast majority of people, um, you know, that's how they're kind of practicing conservation or that is kind of their direct involvement um, with conservation is through hunting or fishing. But, you know, to look at it from, you know, the farming side of things or the agricultural side of things is not, um, I guess, a perspective that I've really looked at or, or really even talked about. I mean, it, I guess like the the conservation mindset that you have and that you were just kind of talking about, did that come from growing up on the farm or was that something that was kind of instilled in you like through parents and grandparents or is it just kind of like a, a mixture of everything and it's just been a way of life since you were little? Uh, I think it's just a mixture of everything. You know, I, I, I just... I love being out outdoors in the woods and I always like seeing wildlife and stuff. And I, I don't know. I just was not a fan of, um, I don't know what it was. Just not a fan of like, talk about farming again, um, you know, tillage or, you know, spraying so much, you know, I'd always question that on the farms. Um, like, why do we do that? I, I'm kind of that guy, right? I question everything. <laughs> so I question, I'm like, why do we do it this way? Why do we do it that way? Well, is it really more profitable the way we're doing it in the grand scheme of things? It might be more profitable this year, but in the long term, in 10 years, is it more profitable? Um, so I don't know. I just like to see it, right? I like to see a mix. I don't like to see flat, just fields. Yeah. I don't like to see just blocks of timber. I like a mix. And that's kind of what I grew up with. It's a pretty good mix up there, but, um, I like that diversity. I like to see that. I like the streams. I like it to be clean. I don't want scummy water. You know, I, I've seen it. It's kind of a unique perspective, I guess. It, it, I see it from both sides, and it, and it is difficult, um, you know, knowing both sides to convince someone who is a farmer and maybe not, maybe doesn't have that much interest in hunting um, to leave or, or, you know, create habitat and stuff like that when they could, you know, plant, plant something that can make them money. So it, 
it's been a mix. It's just been a mix. I've always liked natural stuff. I've always loved just getting out in nature. We, we, we you know, up until COVID here, we did, um, typically we do a, a, you know, a week long Canada fishing trip. Nice. And, uh, I always loved that. And I was just, I just like disconnecting from everything, getting out there. The water's clean. It just, yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of all the houses along the, the every lake in in Wisconsin and stuff. It's just like dotted with, you know, oh, things. Yeah. I'm like, I, I just, I just don't, didn't have the, I just like, I just like the natural stuff. I like to, to see that. So. Yeah. And I would just, imagine. That's probably where the passion came from. It's just, I know my wife wouldn't do it, but I'm like, I can go live in the woods. Like, I can just go, <laughs> I can go live out somewhere and disconnect. But. Yeah, and I'd imagine as you get older and you you become, you know, more heavily involved in hunting, uh, in angling, you you start to see things a bit differently, too, in, in terms of um, kind of the habitat and, you know, the mixes and, you know, or lack thereof, I guess. And you start to to see these pieces of land and how it could, you know, how some, you know, a few small changes could benefit, you know, so many different, you know, species that are, you know, either already living there or are living in close proximity. Right. And I think that's, that's like this, this, the, the, a natural evolution of, of a conservationist is, you know, starting to see things differently from a different lens um, as you get older, as you get more mature, as you start to to really understand the impact um, that one little thing can have on, you know, not just deer or turkey or upland birds, but, you know, all of them combined. And I think it's when you start to shift that focus and you start to, again, look at those things differently, that's when you really can start to to, to move the needle um, in your area uh, or in your you know local conservation organization and that's when you can uh, really start to have a, a big impact um, on conservation oh yeah I mean I don't want to go forever but like the 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 um, farming aspect there's just so much you could do um, to improve things you know any kind of tillage um, you know, monoculture crops, you get corn, beans, you know, the things you see, right? Just straight, straight crops. Um, there's a lot of bare soil out there and any rain washes that out. And that goes in the water, that goes in the freezing. You got a lot of silt, you know, building up in the streams and lakes and stuff like that. Um, and just by putting in cover crops, you know, if you were to change up your rotations a bit, maybe even... That's the only thing with, with farming too right now. And I hope I'm not sounding negative about farming because I love farming and I intend to actually buy another farm and probably start doing it just because I'm so interested in playing around with it. Um, but most farms today have kind of, you're either a cattle farmer or you're a grain farmer. Um, you don't really mix the two and, and reality is they should be always be mixed. Um, those rotations should be should be you know multi-species and then or multi um i guess you could call it species yeah multi different different uh crops and and then grade and rotated with these these cash grain crops rather than just going you know corn bean corn bean you're losing topsoil topsoil is going to water um in order for those crops to even do well in that kind of rotation, you, you got to use more chemical and yeah. you got to use more fertilizer. Um, and then that gets washed in the water. So it, it, it gets, and then again, when you take a cornfield off, man, those combines are good today. You're not leaving a lot of grain out there. Um, you're not leaving a lot of beans, you're not leaving a lot of corn left on the ground after they take that off. It, there's nothing out there for wildlife to really eat anymore. Yeah. Um, versus you, you, you had at least some of it, you know, Again, you got to make money. Um, Farming is a business, like anything else. You you would at least have a portion of your your ground into cover crops that are going to probably stay there all winter, and they're they're going to feed deer, they're going to feed rabbits, all kinds of other wildlife, um, and, and as well as build soil and hold back 
any runoff in spring. Um, so there's a lot of benefits to that stuff. So I think, I don't know how you do it. I, w- I wish I had an easy answer <laughs> as far as, but that would, that'd make a big impact, uh, on a lot of things. Yeah. All that farm ground getting, getting to that. And, and I'd love to see fence roads again too. I see a lot of them coming out. Um, which I don't really care for. I'd, I'd like to see more of those because that, that helps too with erosion and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, wind, water. And, um, and you see a big difference too. If you see a fence row, you'll see that soil height of that is quite a bit higher than what everything else is around it. Um, and they didn't build the fence row on a hill. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Oh yeah. They were, they were, the fence rows weren't humps when they put the fence in. It was, uh, <laughs> it was all the same level. So, you, you can see the difference uh, pretty clearly. Yeah. So what are some of the, uh, the organizations that, that, uh, you outdoors is giving back to or that you're working with? Um, so 2% we, we kind of started last spring. We're not even a year into it yet. So we haven't, you know, gotten to the, the end of our, you know, kind of our, where we want to actually give the money yet. Yeah. Um, wait until this year we actually don't we didn't need to do it this fall but now in 22 um definitely going to uh going to do it here um i haven't given it and that's probably something i should talk to you about more about different organizations that that uh would fit with what we really want to do but i think what we're going to do is is give to an existing organization um here in, in early uh 22 here but i also had in the ambition to, to start my own nonprofit um, to give back with the money that we're, we're making. Yeah. Um, my idea with that was essentially, at least initially, um, again, I'm an idea guy, right? I got a million things I'd love to do, <laughs> but you kind of have to take a bite out of it first. And the, the first bite, it, it was going to be taking the money that we donate um, to our own nonprofit and buying, uh, tree and shrub seedlings okay and then having uh both private and and public you know we we definitely would give to both right but just having them apply and say well what would you like what would you do with the trees and what would you like to do with your project and then distributing them that way um so that it's 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 going to a lot of places right we can we can help a lot of more people in just one spot um being that we, we do do business across the country. So I don't want to stick it in Northeast Iowa here, you know, and help the public land here. But then, uh, it takes you three to six years to get a deer tag here to even come hunt any of the ground that yeah. <laughs> we're spending all the money that we're giving away. And right. so we want to be able to, to, to reach a lot more people. And again, even if you're only getting a small bundle of trees, it's, it's, it's spread out and more people are able to, to do more projects. Um, so that was kind of the idea on that, and we're going to get moving on that this year. Uh, last year was just, like I said, a mess uh, yeah. in terms of everything. Yeah. Like getting nonprofits approved, getting you know our own life stuff, COVID, everything. So. Yeah. Well, Brandon, one more thing before I let you get out of here. Where can people find uh, You Outdoors, uh, website, social media, all that good stuff? Yeah, so our website is yououtdoors1.com. So that's letter U, word outdoors, and the number one.com. Um, it's basically going to have all our, obviously, our products and get some blog articles and stuff like that on there. Um, Facebook at yououtdoors. Uh, Instagram, I believe, is at yououtdoors as well. Not real active on Instagram, Facebook more so. Um, we do have a Facebook group too. Uh, the U Crew is, is what it's called. Nice. And, uh, Essentially, I mean, I don't know, we've got, I don't know, probably 700 people in there now, but um, we bounce ideas back. You know, we're just kind of, it's just hunters in there throwing things out. Hey, what do you think of this? All this buff got through, you know, survived. Sharing what you're doing, asking questions and just, uh, just BSing, you know. It's not a, you know, it's not one of those groups where you, you come in and, you know, it just, and, you know, you probably know what I'm talking about. It's a safe <laughs> if space. You're listening. Like, yeah, right. Like, yeah, it's, yeah I gotcha. Yeah, it's a safe space. Yeah, I mean, someone comes in there and starts being negative and 
yeah, not go. being constructive. Gotta go. Yep. Yeah, you're you're gone. <laughs> I don't have time for that. Nobody yeah. nobody wants that. And like I said, Facebook groups are great, um, but those parts of them are not so great. Yeah, um, unfortunately. But so that's that's what we do there, and looking to continue to add to that because. It, Frankly, I want, I want to see other people succeed. That, that that makes that's. I mean, whether they bought anything from me or not, you know, as long as they're positive and they're they're not putting other people down, whatever they're doing, I just want to see them succeed. That, that makes me happy seeing that um, people getting out and doing doing stuff outside. Um, I I know, you know, being a younger guy, like before, I didn't really think about that, but now that I got two kids, I started taking my. Um, three-year-old daughter out ice fishing in her last couple weeks and uh man i can see kind of how like my dad and, and grandpa and stuff who brought me up hunting and fishing um i probably didn't notice it when i was a kid but i've seen them look at like other kids and stuff different way and now i kind of understand what you know that look is right yeah um that that pride and stuff just I love being out there, taking kids out there. I love seeing that. Um, it, it makes such a big impact on them and, and uh, getting them off the screens not in today's world. Um, and it's just so good for them. I, I enjoy that. I, taking her out there fishing is just, uh, I don't know. I probably enjoy that more than going out there myself uh, at this point. Yeah. Um, just no. completely different. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's very well put, man. Brandon, thank you so much for your time today, man. Uh, I really appreciated it. I really appreciate it. Uh, it was nice to uh, to talk some gear, talk conservation, uh, and uh, look forward to seeing what you guys come up with down the road. Yeah, thanks a lot. All right, Brandon, take care, man. You too. All right. All right. Well, thank you again to Brandon for uh, taking some time to sit down with me on the podcast today. I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier and Wild Rivers Coffee, as well as 2% for Conservation. Um, be sure to go out and support the brands that support this company, or excuse me, that support this podcast and help make everything possible. Um, and if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you can see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give 2% a follow on social media, where it's going to be only positive conservation-driven content in your feed. So again, if you'd like to learn more about 2% for Conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, remember to check out theaverageconservationist.com where you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes of the podcast and also pick up some sweet merchandise to help support conservation as well. So until next week, stay safe out there and remember that conservation starts with you. Wow.